You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, April 21st, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to hear all about Pixar's new film, Lightyear, uh, from someone who actually did the press day. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Happy Thursday, everyone. Uh, not to be that guy, but, you know, the whole gearing up for the weekend thing. It's Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're almost there. Almost We're there. We're so close. We're so close. Yeah. So, so uh, Ryan, you did this press day for, for Lightyear, and this is one of those virtual press days. Uh, you know, back in the day, uh, we would actually get flown out to Pixar, and we'd spend a day there going from uh, room to room, you know, like the animators would show us how they're animating the special effects people, or, you know, that would show how they put the special effects in. You'd go in with the the writers and they would explain their, you know, how they came up with the concept. But, you know, obviously with the, the pandemic, 
that's not happening right now. And I'm actually wondering if that's ever going to come back because it just seems like this is so much cheaper for yeah, Disney yeah, to it, do. In all of the years I've done entertainment journalism, the one thing I never got to do was like a proper set visit. And, uh, and like now that I'm finally in a position to maybe do those things, almost everything is virtual. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, that's one of those like, and then, and then I did uh, potentially have an opportunity to do something for us a little while back, but I didn't have my passport. <laughs> so I got a, uh, I wasn't able to, but so, so uh, these were not, not to write. It's just funny. Cause I'm like, as much as these virtual things are cool, it's like, ah, the yeah. one thing I never got to do was like actually yeah. go. You can't virtually go into the Pixar um, uh, studio store. <laughs> Cannot do that. Cannot do that. Um, but no, yeah, I did. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago now, but we, uh, Pixar was kind enough to to have me uh, join in on a on a pretty big presentation for Lightyear, which is the 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 uh, new Pixar film coming out this summer. Um, as the title implies, it is it is based around Buzz Lightyear, but not the toy, the real Buzz Lightyear. And the, the, what that really means, having gone through an hour presentation, an hour Q and A with the filmmakers, a couple of interviews, and seeing a bunch of footage, is that this is essentially like the movie that Andy from Toy Story would have watched on VHS that was maybe from like the late seventies or eighties, like, and wore that tape out. And then like, maybe they make an animated series based on that. And then maybe that's how you get to a Buzz Lightyear toy. <laughs> but like, so this is essentially okay, that. I, I read this in your piece and I, I, this confuses me to no end because I honestly thought, thought Lightyear was a, movie based on the man who inspired the toy which i guess is kind of the truth that's kind of what it is but also one of the things i liked i know but, I, no, but now, now it's different though because we're learning that this isn't the actual man we're not watching a story of the actual man that inspired buzz lightyear we're watching the 1970s mo- live action movie in, in some way the animated series that inspired the toy well, but but Angus Angus McLean, the director, at one point when I was talking to him, he he there was or when he was talking, there was one thing he talked about is not wanting to go too deep down the rabbit hole with this. Like it's <laughs> it's not like the, he talked about they didn't figure out who the in universe actors were, they didn't figure any of that. You know, it's just like the and and the animated series thing that was just a way of him explaining that like maybe that's not exactly what happened. He was saying he's like you know this was just a movie that was made a little before Andy's time that he fell in love with much like a lot of kids fell in love with star Wars. And then, oh, yeah. you know, and then like Buzz Lightyear just became a toy that was ultimately based on that. But he sort of, you know, the way that he explained it was like, you know, okay. Cause this movie was not like new to Andy. It was like something he had on tape that he wore out. So his thinking was maybe like, you know, there had been other things based on that movie you know, that like had also been produced. And then maybe that's how you eventually get to like this, like this Buzz Lightyear toy that Andy wanted so badly, you know, but like, but yeah, it's, it, it, I, the main it, thing, it, is, it's weird to me because it opens up so many questions. Which I know he doesn't want to go down the rabbit hole, but I totally do. It's, it's like the cars universe. It's like, once you start thinking about it, you just have question after question after question. Like to me, uh, and I was talking with some people on Twitter about this. It's like, so, are there animated movies in the Toy Story universe? Does that make Lightyear live action for them? 
I mean, again, I didn't, I, I can tell you, <laughs> here's what I can tell you. Cause I, cause I kind of had my questions about this, yeah. but then, so I, I was privileged enough to see about 30 minutes of the movie. Okay. Um, what I can tell you is in about five minutes of the movie, you just don't care. <laughs> like you just, it's the really what this was. And I said this and, and I did a little kind of review of the footage I've seen is that this, they're essentially using the toy story branding as an excuse to tell a hard sci-fi movie. Like this is not Wally where it's like, you know, it's kind of a thinking person's sci-fi film. Like this is very much like action adventure sci-fi. And they're just using that back door as an excuse to tell that story. And buzz is a good vehicle to tell that story through. Um, and, and so it really a few minutes into the movie, you just don't care. Like, it, it's just straight up a very well-executed sci-fi film from what I've seen. So as much as the the hardcore movie people might sit here and, like, think about this a lot, <laughs> like, once the movie begins, and I think the important thing is of making a good movie, from what I've seen, it just seems like they, they justify it by making you not care at all once the movie starts. I, I get it. It's just, um, yeah. Uh, okay. No, and again, I understand. It is a little heady if you really start, like, falling down the <laughs> hole with it, but... Well, I, I do want to bring up um, the director here of this is Angus uh, McQueen? McQueen. Angus McLean. McLean. Um, he, I remember he did that um, on Wally. It had a short film on the DVD called Bernie, and he that uh, I think wait, did he direct that or did he just provide the voice? No, actually, Andrew Stanton directed that. He provided the voice. So, I, I, what was his first thing? Small Fry, maybe. Oh yeah. So well, he I know he, he co-directed Finding Dory. Like I know that was his big directorial thing. But he's been yeah. he's been at Pixar for like twenty years. You know, doing and serving in various capacities. So so he he's been a Pixar mainstay for a long time. Yeah, but he did direct that um, Toy Story Tunes short. Yep. yep. Which and was he, and uh, he's which was in- Small Fry. So it's interesting because now this is his second Buzz Lightyear thing that he's directed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, he talked, you know, quite a bit about like the idea that, you know, he he was very much a, a gigantic fan of, of sci fi. And he's been working with, you know, these Toy Story characters for something, you know, like all these years that he's been there. But, you know, Buzz and, and this idea kind of provided him the chance to finally make like this kind of sci fi film within like the Pixar, you know, framework, which um it really, really is like kind of an interesting idea in terms of franchise filmmaking. It's, it's a, it's cause I sort of had pressed at them a little bit. Like, did you guys not feel like toy story four was pressing your luck already? <laughs> you know, cause like, cause like, cause like toy story three to me was like the perfect ending of then. I think a lot of us felt that. And then toy story four kind of miracle above miracles was pretty good and made a bunch of money and didn't soil the legacy of, you know, so so, you know, but no, they, they, they really do all kind of feel like as much as it is connected to it, it, it is very much its own thing. And, and so they weren't worried about that. Nobody expressed even a shred of concern about that. Well, okay. You mentioned that you saw about 30 minutes of the of footage of this. Was that like the first 30 minutes? Uh, I mean, it wasn't like explicitly stated, but pretty clearly, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, that's, that's pretty much what I've seen. Yeah. Like the first, I would say like the first act of the movie is what I've seen. Okay. So, um, you know, without giving away any spoilers, uh, what is your overall reaction to the footage you saw? Um, 
I should probably refrain from cursing since this is like a kid's movie, but uh, I think it looks <laughs> absolutely awesome. Like I am so like I was really on board anyway with the trailers because I had that sense. I'm like, oh, did they just make like a really sweet sci-fi movie? And that's absolutely what they did. Um, it, 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 it I mean, it, it looks great. Uh, the thing and Angus talked about this a lot in, in you know, the Q&A and, and the interview I did with him that he is such a sci-fi guy. And this was really about making like a 70s, 80s throwback sci-fi movie. And you see that in everything in this movie. Like everything looks very tactile and there's like clicky buttons, you know, and it's like it's not like some really polished vision of the future, you know, and I love that about it. And there's like a lot of love a very specific type of love imbued into this. Um, and you like, and you really feel that. And um, Chris Evans is, is very perfect for this. Like if you're not going to bring Tim Allen, Tim Allen back and you maybe shouldn't for this, for this iteration of it, Chris right. Evans is very much the right guy for this. And, wait, um, wait, can you talk about that? Did they address why they recast Buzz Lightyear? They did. Um, And, and again, it kind of goes to what we were talking about. It was, it was because this is not the toy. Tim Allen is the toy. Um, so, you He's know, he's more jokey and it's kind of more of the cartoon is what yeah. Ingus says. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so there was, uh, they did have a, a quote about that. Um, uh, Galen Sussman, the producer uh, uh, said, uh, when casting buzz, it was important to differentiate our hero buzz from the toys that made uh, his character and represented in the toy story movies. So that meant we needed a new voice for Buzz. He needed to have the nice, rich sound, able to both uh, di- uh, able to be both dramatic and comedic. And most importantly, he needed to be heroic without coming off as arrogant or dense. That's a tall order, and we immediately knew we had to ask Chris. Uh, what we didn't know is that he is a huge animation fan, and he would bring uh, this love and passion to the project, as well as his acting talents. Uh, he even attended animation dailies and gave the team pep talks. Uh, yeah, so so Chris was really into this, and... Uh, you know, and uh, and then I think McLean also said uh, from early on, because uh, this voice is so iconic, you run the risk of imitation. And I never wanted someone that was going to imitate the character voice, but I wanted something to be different. The complexity of this timeline uh, of it is that and this is more information than you probably wanted, is I imagine this is a, this was a movie that then later there was a spinoff cartoon. And then the Toy Story toy was made off that cartoon design. Because that very much was the way it would be in the 80s and early 90s, that there would be a big budget movie, like a serious movie, and then would get ported to a TV show. It's not diminishing anything, but it does feel like the events of what happens on the back of the package of Buzz Lightyear don't happen this in this movie. And that's like a future story. So that was kind of his reasoning for, for you know, where you eventually, again, it goes to your yeah. point of going down the rabbit hole, but that's how we get there. <laughs> well, that makes sense. As a kid, I had like, you know, Ewok action figures, but they weren't the Ewok action figures made by Kenner for Return of the Jedi. They were the Ewok action figures for the cartoon series that was based on. Right. <laughs> and so it, his point actually made sense to me because like yeah. as a guy who's loved Star Wars his whole life, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's a new trailer that came out today alongside all this, um, this coverage from this press day. And the new trailer reveals some interesting things that we didn't know before. Like there seems to be some time travel going on here yeah so i really i didn't think they were going to reveal this in the trailers and so when i did my write-up for my review of the footage i skirted around this because i was kind of hoping to not reveal that but yeah there is very much a gigantic hook of kind of time dilation and 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 that's a big thing in this movie and kind of what sets buzz buzz's core journey 
uh, again, I don't want to say too much about it because it is. So the one thing I will say is from what I saw, um, I'm sure you've seen up Peter and I'm yeah. okay. So of one of the things Pixar does maybe better than anybody else in Hollywood is they can take like small chunks of time and efficiently tell you a gigantic story in a small window. Like the first 15 minutes of up is an incredible example of that. Um, the first chunk of light year from what I've seen does that and does that insanely well again. And without getting into it, it kind of sets the stage for the weird time dilation that Buzz is going to be dealing with and kind of sets this whole core problem off that he's got to solve. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's good. That, that's good enough of a tease. Yeah. I don't want to, cause it, cause I, if you say too much, it really does kind of give the whole thing away. Yeah. Um, there, you know, there, they, the, it, the movie posits that, you know, the space Rangers are, you know, an active part of, you know, human existence and, you know, they're light years away from home and sometimes problems happen. And what happens when a big problem happens and what happens when you have to get creative and come up with a pretty brave solution to, to a gigantic problem that affects the lives of a lot of people, you know, and, and things happen, you know, and, and things get interesting. Yeah. The interesting thing by watching the trailers, I always assume this took place in the future, but now that you mention it, like the, there, the aesthetic of like how technology works here, it's like all like buttons and like, uh, it feels very tactical where our, like even today, like everything's like touch screens and stuff. Yeah. There was actually, um, in, in the, uh, the, the, you know, big presentation, that was all talked about. Like that was all very intentional. Um, and, uh, yeah, like they, they, uh, some of the, uh, uh, Greg Peltz who, um, oh man, I'm, I feel terrible for getting his exact title, but, but he, uh, he talked about everything needed to have like a functionality. He said, as a basic rule of thumb on our movie, there are no touchscreens or cloud sharing in the world of Lightyear. It's all zip disks and 20 pound CRTs. In addition, <laughs> to, in addition to looking cool, there's a kind of toy like appeal to it. Um, so yeah, that was a big thing. Uh, By the way, Greg, Greg Peltz is the art director of this art film. director. I'm so sorry. I, I, there was like five or six people involved and I, and, but, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so that was a big thing. And they even like in, in building the ships and stuff, they used like actual like model building techniques, even though it was all digital to sign of, to sort of help with that stuff. Uh, Angus is actually a big fan of Legos. So he actually like built some of the models in Legos before they were rendered digitally. And like, so some of that, so, so like uh, it, that tactile feel and, and idea of like everything having weight and, and meaning and sort of being more like aliens you know, in the way that like you watch aliens and everything is all like clicky and the screens aren't HD and all that stuff. It's actually more like that than it is anything else, which is kind of interesting. I forgot that Angus is a big fan of Legos. I, I, I used to follow him on Instagram or maybe I still do follow him on Instagram and he used to post his, like the things he built. And, um, and actually I think he built, uh, the buzz from small fry and then Lego ended up releasing it as a set at d23 one one of the years or whatever so i don't know that was kind of cool um there's some other interesting things that were mentioned in in your pieces here one um you know with all, all the pixar films i feel like every time i would go to pixar to cover a new film the question would be like you know what is the the, the next big innovation 
with this film? Like, how are they pushing the technology? You know, what 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 is the the thing that was hard for them this time around? And it seems like it was hair again. Braided yeah. Hair? Yeah. So like, so this is not something that I expected or something that I like would have thought to encounter at the beginning of this, but, but, and I didn't realize, you know, animation, it takes an army and, um, uh, one of Buzz's big, big companions in this movie, his, his partner is, is a character named Hawthorne and, um, she is a black woman and she has like braided hair. And, and this was apparently like a really big deal because like, you know, hairstyles, I did not realize in, in animation are really tough to do. Like a lot of times they've kept it intentionally simple, but they were, they actually put like a ton of resources into making like hairstyles for some of these more diverse characters in the movie, um, like authentic. Uh, so, so like they, they went through like painstaking efforts to like develop this like braided hair. And uh, as Galen Sussman, Sussman said, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they went through a lot of this and she was actually at a Q and a, and someone said, uh, you know, I love that hairstyle. I could wear that style. I could see that hairstyle on me. And like, that was a big deal to that person. Um, you know, and, uh, um, you know, they actually had like what, you know, groomed construction techniques and like a whole system for the braided hair and like how to like partition the braids within, you know, so it's like, it was like a whole thing. Um, you know, it was like a lot of, a lot of work to, to make this happen, but but it, it does ultimately get to to a point of allowing for more authentic characters. You know, as much as it might seem like a kind of small thing to some people, it, it's actually a pretty big step forward in these animated movies of being able to to really push authenticity. So I thought that was kind of cool and something I didn't realize going into it, certainly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Pixar has actually been uh, very behind trying to diversify their their films. There's this... um. I think it's a short form series on Disney plus called inside Pixar, which uh, I highly recommend checking out because it shows how, you know, the stories of the people making these things. But one of the, one of the things I think that was in there that I learned was, uh, you know, I want to say like five, six years ago, uh, one of the people at Pixar developed this program that would look at their scripts that they were developing and would figure out, you know, how many of the lines in the script are spoken by men? How many are li- lines are spoken by women? How uh, lines of people of color or white people? Do you know what I mean? It would figure all that out and it would um, try to point out problems, uh, possible, uh, you know, problems that, because, you know, in the early days, uh, you know, a lot of the Pixar directors were white and, uh, you know, the, the, the people on screen were white and uh, they've been uh, slowly trying to fix that. I think they, they've actually, um uh they I forget exactly what they committed to but it was something like 50% of the characters speaking on screen of Pixar movies in a average over a year is going to be 50% uh female and 50% male and then um also with other you know ethnicities and whatever yeah they had like some diversity commitment that yeah sure. um yeah, yeah, but yeah. it uh it's really cool of them and uh you know recently with everything that went on with um <laughs> uh i don't even know what you want to call call it the, the stuff that happened uh with florida and chapek uh there was this group at pixar that came out um and they wrote a letter complaining about how even uh even though disney has kind of committed to uh supporting lgbtq uh that they you know got some 
some kick, uh, like some pushback on having a lesbian kiss or get, actually we, we heard gay kiss at the time, I think in, in the letter or something like that. Yeah. And that's not necessarily wrong to say. And, and, but no, it was to be more specific. Yeah. It was a lesbian kiss that was cut out. So, uh, and it turns out that it was this movie, which we didn't know at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, but th- then what we also found is that after the pushback, the kiss got restored. Um, and, uh, you know, that was something that was addressed at the Q and a I attended. Um, and, uh, they talked about it and, uh, you know, Galen Sussman, again, the producer, you know, she, she was very head on about it when she was asked about it. She said, yes, we have a kiss. Uh, you saw it in the version of the film that you all saw before this Q and a, which I did see the moment in question. Uh, we've always had uh, the lesbian couple, and that involves Hawthorne, Buzz's um, um, uh, kind of counterpart fellow space ranger that I was talking about earlier. Uh, they've always been a part of the film. Being able to put back the kiss was important to us. It's a touching moment. It helps Buzz see what it is that he's... It's the life that he's, that's, been, uh, that's being lived in front of him by his best friends that he's not having. He doesn't have those kinds of relationships. He doesn't have a child. He doesn't have what she has. And it is so important for us to get that back in there. And we're really excited about that. So, you know, they didn't shy away from the fact that, yeah, it was taken out and they were bummed that it's taken out, but they're happy it's back. Um, So this clearly was not something like the vibe that I got. This clearly was not something that the filmmakers were like super cool that it got taken out in the first place. You know what I mean? Like, like they, 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 they clearly still have to walk a bit of a company line, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard to read tone through just looking at words on a screen, but as someone who, who, was attended this presentation i can tell you it very much seemed like they were very relieved that they get to that they got to put this back because this was very intentional for them and uh and yeah like there there clearly would have been a bit of a bummer from them had had they had to keep it out so well i think that uh, initial letter from the people at pixar to disney said that said that the filmmakers and the you know the not just filmmakers but the uh heads of, of pixar like w- tried to f- uh, fight for it and, and didn't get it. So, so it's good to see that that was restored. Um, we haven't talked about the bad guy of this yeah, movie. Yeah. Let's talk about Zerg. Let's talk about Zerg. Uh, yeah. So um, interestingly enough, the casting has not necessarily been like hidden for this movie. It just hasn't been talked about that much. Um, like for example, I didn't end up writing a piece about this because it turns out the information is just all over the place, but like Taika Waititi voices a character in this movie, for example, um but uh zerg uh who uh if you remember toy story 2 there's the delightful bit in the beginning where you sort of learn you know emperor zerg is is you know like you know you get to see a little bit of him and and buzz's relationship um and he was a big factor in the buzz lightyear star command animated series but here we're getting to see like the real zerg if you will um and he's voiced by james brolin uh and uh, uh zerg in this case is a big ass robot uh, yeah, so, so kind of different than the kind of caped, you know, sort of mustache twirling alien villain you might <laughs> know. Um, uh, yeah, uh, didn't, didn't he, didn't, I, I, I won't say much, but I didn't get to the Zerg part of the movie in the footage that I saw. So I can't speak much to, to, to Brolin's portrayal or, or how Zerg factors in, but uh, you know, we did get a little bit of stuff, you know, during the presentation. So um, did they big... talk about how Zerg would differ from like the cartoon counterpart that we've kind of seen? 
Not a ton, but the one quote I really like from Angus is that he said, uh, we're going to have so many robots, you're going to get sick of robots. And just when you get sick of yes. robots, we're going to give you one more. We're going to give you Zerg. And so I really liked that Like he was just like, yeah, like we we're very aware of how many robots we're going to have in this damn movie. Um, uh, uh, so uh, Pel- uh, going back to Greg Pelts, he said, uh, his design has to be intimidating so he could carry the menace and the presence of our story demanded. Taking all those goals together, reimagining the character as a giant robot was a natural fit for the character in the world he occupies. Um, so yeah, so that's one thing. And then uh, Pelts also said, in addition to our other sci-fi inspirations, Zerg also takes cues from super robots and mecha from Chinese anime, uh, from Japanese anime, uh, which I'm personally a huge fan of. Uh, that's Pelt's talking, not me. Um, uh, Zerg is a force to be reckoned with in the movie, and he has a crazy array of awesome features that you get to see him use in the film. Um, yeah, so that's... Uh, and then lastly, uh, Zerg's new mechanized form doesn't mean that he's a mindless automaton. He is still a fully rounded character, just like the rest of our cast. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of... They're still... They're, they're being pretty... They played pretty coy about Zerg for the most part. Again, like I didn't see a shred of him in the footage. So I think that's going to be an interesting bit, like how that factors in. Hmm. Well, it's going to be interesting to go to the movies, go to the theater again and be able to see a Pixar movie on the big screen because we the last two or three. Technically three. Well, actually, is it almost four now? Because Onward... Onward was the last one that debuted in theaters, but it had its run cut short, very short. Oh, it, it was like a week before. Yeah, so the, so it technically got released in theaters, but so then you had Onward, Soul, Luca, and Turning Red. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so, so, yeah, that's a lot. So, uh, did they talk at, at all about this being theatrical? They did. Yeah. So that was one of the things that I, you know, had asked because because. Um, you know, yeah, that's something I, you really care about. Yeah, well, no, and and I and I felt like, you know, for for me, it it, it yeah, it's it's it. I care a lot about it, and and I've argued a lot that I think, you know, I understand that you know these Pixar movies going to Disney Plus was was a good thing, for for you know a lot of families and stuff who needed, you know, who kind of needed uh something to watch while they were stuck at home, but. Yeah. You know, it, it, for me, it, it, I, I think that Pixar has always been a place of of original ideas and original ideas and big, unique ideas that can be viable theatrically. So to me, that was a bummer to see three original movies yeah. in a row go straight to Disney+. Plus. It, it also feels that Pixar it, it is the brand and animation that feels like I, – I know people hate this word, but elevated. It feels elevated – to like, it's not just for kids. Um, I'm not saying that other animation is just for kids, but it really feels like that Pixar is creating um, something that's like a, above traditional animation in, in a way, no, no. and something that like this is deserving of the theatrical experience. And them having to be shafted for you know three, four movies in a row to home video felt kind of like a blow to them. Pixar is genuinely, I mean. I talked about this a little bit in some of the pieces I wrote, but like not even just an animation. Pixar has probably made some of the greatest movies of all time, like, of you know, full stop. Yeah. And not just because of the technical innovation. You know, I'll put I'll put that first 15 minutes of up against any emotional impact you can feel in a movie in any movie, you know, like like and that and that's you know, that's filmmaking at its absolute finest. 
Um, and so I, I feel that way. And I think that like what, what the real shame is, you know, you have movies like Coco that can make like 700 some odd million dollars worldwide, you know, that like complete wonderful showcase of like diversity and a touching moving movie, you know, so, or something like inside out that to this day, I've not cried harder at anything than I cried at inside out. Um, you know, like, and, and I still think that movie is emotionally irresponsible, but that's another conversation, but, but yeah, so they, so Lightyear gets to be Pixar's first movie back in a theater. So by, by so, the way, be, before, before you get into that, I just want to say that, like, I, I remember reading something recently. I forget what it was. It was someone did like a, they rounded up who were the, the most, um, the directors that were most critically acclaimed and loved by audiences. And like the top two were Pixar directors, like Pete Docter and Lee Unkrich. And I yeah. think number three was like Christopher Nolan. So yeah, like, like but but you, you, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so. no, I I've got I've, if I ever get the chance, because uh, Pete Doctor directed Inside Out, right? Yes, and Up and uh, yeah. Monsters. In- yeah. Wait, yeah. Monsters? I, yeah. I, if I ever get the chance to talk to Pete, I need to have words with him. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but what? <laughs> I'm telling. So so Inside Out. Not to get detract from the point too much, but the the Bing Bong scene in Inside Out. Um. Look, I'll cry in movies. Some people don't cry in movies. I'll cry in movies. <laughs> but but that scene in Inside Out, I it was like the kind of thing where I finally watched it at home and like not just crying, not just ugly crying, but like I might need therapy crying. Like or like like I had to pause the movie and get my get myself back together. Like like that yeah. ruined me. Like in and not in like a way that I thought was sweet, in a way that I was like, this is messed up. I didn't think about this before this movie, and now I have to think about this forever. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's Pixar for you. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. So so wait, what did they say about the theatrical experience? So in my interview with them, um, I asked them both about it, and and uh, Gay, Galen Sussman started off by saying, all of her films were always made to be seen in a movie theater. COVID is just kept. And then she kind of tried to joke it off and say, you know, she said like COVID's the keep that uh, gift that keeps on giving, uh, yeah. you know, and she's like, knock whatever you want to knock on. But, you know, we're going to be able to release in theaters and we're just excited to be out there because we're excited to create an experience for people that's communal and shared again, that people can see it on the big screen and have the sense of wonderment that you can only get when you're in a communal theater experience it. We, we all miss it. We can't wait to get back to theaters in general. Then Angus said, I love movies and I'm really passionate about film and the cinematic experience is very important to me. And I'm sad that the other Pixel films before us didn't get enough opportunity for release because of COVID, but hopefully we can be a force for good for theaters and we can inspire people to come back into the theater and enjoy our film and help those out, uh, help those theaters out that are struggling. So I feel like it's an honor and hopefully we can help them out. So that's kind of their take on it. Yeah. So Lightyear hits theaters on June 17th. And uh, probably Disney Plus, what, like uh, 90 days later or, something, or less than that? Uh, we don't well, know. so so like with Encanto, they did 30. They did a 30 day exclusive theatrical window and then it was on Disney Plus for free, like 30 days later. I really don't know what they're going to do with Lightyear. Uh, I think it could go either way. I think they could do 30 and the, and or they or, you know, they could do like the Batman just did on HBO Max where you go 45 and then and then. And then it's available. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to want to try to get a pay through window. Like if they're going to want to try to do like a premium VOD window, but they don't seem to be doing that with Pixar. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, if you want to read more about this, if you want to read any of Ryan's coverage, we have like 
<laughs> a dozen articles on the site. I'll link them in the show notes. Uh, you can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter.com. And please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.